Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. We will do that after. Ray Vaughn was trying to take charge of me again and, you know. I did the same thing Frida did, you know. We'll take care of it later, right, Frida? Uh, So, uh, Matthew chapter 16. This has happened uh, millions of times uh, since time began. Where adults were working on a project... They were involved in something. They were focused on it. They were giving all their energy to it and all their attention. And uh, a young child comes up to them and says, What you doing? And and they're focused on what they're doing. It's very important. And they turn around and they look and they, they see the child. And they got this perplexed look on their face. And they say that, What you doing? And the adult turns around and says, well, uh, what I'm doing is, and they explain what they're doing, and and they start to go back to work, and and the kid stands there, and they go, why? And and the adult turns around and says, well, uh, because it needs to be done. This is is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. And the adult goes back to work, and a moment later... The child says, hey, can I help? And if you're that adult, uh, sometimes there's a pause and you're saying to yourself, "Um, I'd like this done right. And there's a possibility if, if I let this little one into this, it won't be done right. Uh, we'll just leave this to the end and we'll see how this connects to our passage this morning. In Matthew chapter 16, we looked at last week, we looked at Peter, uh, his confession of Christ, his identification of who Jesus is. And this morning, uh, we're really going to look at the identification of Peter as he identifies Christ, or as Christ identifies Peter. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to start reading for you in verse 13 down through verse 20. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, uh, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not, has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. God, we ask again that you would direct us through your word. We ask that you would make this time profitable. I, I ask that you would use your word 
to right our ship, to cause our prior priorities to come in line with your own. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> So we pick up our passage in verse 18 this morning, and Jesus responds to Peter identifying him as the Christ to saying this in verse 18. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock. He, he, he explains that, that you're Peter as I am Christ, you are Peter uh, Many have gone over this passage and many have struggled to identify what Jesus is saying. And it is a little difficult. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that to you. And even this morning, you may uh, not be satisfied with the interpretation that I share. Peter had already confessed. Peter was the leader of the disciples. He was the unofficial leader. You see him taking the front uh, taking the spokesman, even in this uh, previous passage, we see him being the one to answer the question. And now Jesus directs something to him and he, he identifies and he says, Peter, you being the leader of leaders. Um, he makes a big deal that he is Peter. He is Peter. And many theologians have made a big deal that Peter is a form of rock, a form of rock. Some have even suggested that it is a pebble. It is a pebble, and he's pointing to Peter's insignificance. I don't believe that to be true this morning. I think he's simply talking about the substance of rock compared to that. Uh, you know, he didn't say, you're jello, okay? You're jello. You're something hard, something solid. I've made you that. He uses the, the word Peter, and, and you can even go back through this passage where uh, he also is called Simon, but Jesus, in his calling of him, wants to call him Peter. And, and you say, well, why did he change his name? And you look to the scriptures, and you see other places where other people have their names changed. And it all centers around them coming to now follow after God instead of following, really being identified with that which was previous and the name that they were given. Uh, there's a certain renaming to remind them that they have changed. And so Jesus, as he identifies Peter, he says, you're Peter, you're Peter, you've changed, you're different. And in this change, I believe that he's talking and referring to rock, uh, on this rock. And, and let me just say that others have suggested this rock can really be four or five different things. It can be Peter himself. Um, it could be Peter's confession, just his message. Remember, he said, uh, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. And that that in and of itself, that that message uh, could be that which Jesus is talking about when he refers to rock. And uh, others would say that Jesus is talking about all his teachings. Jesus is referring to the rock being all his teachings. And others still saying that Jesus is referring to himself as being the rock. Uh, this morning, I won't go into details of why 
uh, of all this, but I believe that he is referring to Peter. He is referring to Peter. Uh, Peter's name uh, having this connection to the word rock. It's a, a form of rock. And even as we see uh, what Jesus is saying, uh, he is saying, I'm going to start the church through you. I, I'm going to go and build upon this. And so the really the picture here is this, is Jesus being the rock, Jesus being the rock. He says, I'm going to take you, Peter, and put you down as the first rock upon me. I, I'm going to place you there and really not just you, the the other disciples as well as he goes on to describe the power from which they're going to do this. Um, probably the, the most compelling reason uh, that I see this is that uh, Peter identified Jesus as the Christ. And it seems as though Jesus is responding to him in a similar fashion. He says, you know, You've identified me as the Messiah. I now identify you as Peter, the rock, the one that I'm going to use. As he shares this, uh, we have to realize this, that uh, Peter had not been one uh, that was stellar in his record. He was not one that was flawless. In fact, he would not even be flawless as time went on, you'd think that if someone was granted such a great calling as the beginning of this new, uh, he's been talking about his kingdom and there's kind of a, a difficulty to understand the difference between the kingdom and the church. And I don't think it's all that uh, Jesus is trying to talk about both of them simultaneously and interchangeably at times. But But know this, know this, you'd think that Peter, knowing that he had such a great role, he would have changed. And I would say the same for us. Uh, Have you failed after you gotten married? Have you failed after you began having children? Have you failed even becoming some kind of leader in the church? Having a position, having, of course. And the idea here is this, that Jesus is focusing in on Peter and he's uh, really commissioning him and, and sending him out and he's giving him this huge task knowing uh, that in, in earthly view, uh, it's going to look like a complete failure from the beginning. From the beginning. But this is what Jesus says. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, he points to the rock. So there's the rock. And secondly, as you look down in this passage, you'll see what Jesus is doing. What What is his goal? What is his project, if you will? He, he says that, uh, he calls him Peter. He says on this rock, and then he says this, I will build my church. I will build my church. I think in this passage, in this conversation, these are the point. This is, these are the words that point to what Jesus is trying to say. And, and not just what he's trying to say, what he's trying to communicate, but he's saying something to say, this is what I'm doing. 
He says, from this point on, from this point on, and it wasn't really from this point on, it was preparatory in the the past as well, but he explains, uh, how many times has Jesus mentioned the church up to this point in the book of Matthew? Zero. Zero. He's talked about his kingdom. He's talked about what's happened in the past. He's talked about him being a new way. And now Jesus opens up this new plan. It's as if there, there's a, a, a drape over his project and he pulls off the cover and you see the church. And he says, this is what I'm doing. I will build my church. For us here this morning, um, I think it's an important uh, picture for us to see that Jesus has said, I will build my church. When, when you say, I will, um, there's a bit, it comes across arrogant sometimes. In sports, when you say, I will win, everyone kind of snickers and they go, yeah, right, you know, better show it, you know. What are you talking Or you say, uh, I, I, I will be there. Sometimes we make bold statements and we can't come through. Uh, we make uh, we brag in certain ways uh, and say that this is what is on the plan and I'm going to do it. These kinds of statements are always connected and limited by the power and the abilities of the one making them. And so as we look at this, we realize that this is even a different statement, different kind of statement than Jesus has been talking about. He says, I will build my church. He makes a bold statement, um, but, but it's limited by his power and control, which is limitless, right? He's going to be able to do this. I will build my church. I, I just want to make sure that we connect this to today. He says, my church, my church. Uh, Make sure that we remember that here at Bear Valley Church. This isn't the church owned by Bear Valley. It's not. People have tried to say that in the past. You know, there might be still a few of them out there. And it's what people do. Small community. There's nothing to do. So you do things like that. It's not the church owned by Bear Valley. It's not the church owned by the pastor. In fact, pastors are just temporary. They're temporary employees. They're, they're, they're passing through. They're, they're not ones that are, are connected and owned. They don't have a deed. They can't do what they want. It's not owned by the congregation, uh, but uh, it's not it's not a matter of a, a congregational church where we can vote and we can do whatever we want. It's not it's not the pastor's church. It's not the congregation's church. It's not the community's church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And so be careful, be careful, be super careful. When you think to yourself, well, I don't like it that way. Don't worry about it. 
Don't worry about it if you don't like it. Worry about it if Jesus doesn't like it because it's his church. And, and this is what he's doing. He's building his church. And, and, and he's doing it uh, according to his power. It's dependent upon him to come through. He he said, this is what I'm going to do. I will do it and it will be my church. I'm building it in the way that I want. He calls it his own. It's he him being the owner and possessor of it. He doesn't just say, I will build my church, but he makes sure that we all are clear that this will be accomplished, that this will happen. He says, I I will build my church. And he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He pictures his church being outside of the gates of hell and there being this sense of opening and Satan and all his followers coming out to charge the church, to ransack the church. And he says, those, that group that's right by those gates, that if those gates would fly open and those Satan and all his followers would come, I, I tell you this, they will not prevail. They will be failures in their desire to ruin the church. This week I read an article, and it doesn't really matter what the article was because there was a bunch more written this week other than the one that I read. There were articles written weeks prior, months prior. And it was about the... uh, extermination or eradication of Christianity in the Middle East. And and the, the ISIS group and others like them going town from town seeking to eradicate Christianity. And it's not an issue of, uh, as we have in universities today, of argumentation. It's simply, are you a Christian? And then you're killed. Will you renounce? You're you're gone. You're dead. You're, you're no longer. It's the idea of wiping them out. And and as I read that, there was a, a pastor and a father's heart going into this, being confused and going, "What? What is? What is this world all about? What is that like? How are we going to survive something like this? What would happen if that happened in the United States? I don't want to be a youth pastor and start talking like that." But, but I was thinking of our own situation here. What bothered you this week? What bothered you? Sometimes it was the weather. Sometimes it was local politics. Sometimes it was national politics. Sometimes it was economic stuff. Sometimes it was the dishes. Sometimes it was your kids not doing exactly what you wanted them to do. There was all these different things. And I, I, I consider all these things that bother me and these things that, that uh, take up my time and my energy. And yet, when we're talking about the idea of dying for your faith, that's very far from here right now. And, and I look at that and I go, could Christianity be exterminated? Could it be something that, that could be wiped out? And, and, and I'm reminded of this passage that I get to preach and share with you this morning. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail 
against it. Think about that. There's a confidence that we can have, not in ourselves, not in the stability of our local church here, but in the words of Jesus, we can trust in Him that He will accomplish what He began doing as He shared with Peter and His disciples. He's building His church. He's the owner and possessor of it. And uh, this will not happen that Satan will win. He, he may win in certain skirmishes and even in a local setting at a time. But ultimately, Jesus said, He will prevail in the establishing of His church. The building of His church. In verse 19, we see the keys to this or uh, the power of uh, that we would have. And in verse 19, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I realize that we don't talk in terms like this, but this was giving of authority, of delegating to them of the task, not just Peter, but the other disciples as well. And he's charging them with going about and doing the work. And I love this picture of what's going on down here on earth, binding and loosing. It will also be true in heaven. And the idea here is this, that you are not involved in a temporary task. This is the beauty of the church. Uh, you know, did anybody shower this week? <laughs> That's a temporary task, right? You shower once, uh, depending on where you live, it's uh, it's really short-lived, you know, how much humidity and stuff like that. And uh, you, you, you take a shower and you don't say, we're done, we're done. This will last for eternity, <laughs> It doesn't, we don't say that because it won't. And much of our life is involved in temporary tasks. And Jesus is speaking to Peter, but also the disciples. And he says, look, as I charge you to go out, I delegate this to you. I give this to you. I, I will give you also authority. But guess, guess what? It will not just be for down here, but for heaven as well. That the task of the church, the building of the church, as I establish it down here, it will go on for eternity. Beautiful thing. Encouraging thing. As we consider that He gives this authority, He hands it over, that the work that is done here will be established here as well as in heaven. And then the last thing in our passage this morning in verse 20, and it kind of stands out to us as maybe being wrong. You have this incredible exchange between Peter and and Christ and and they're identifying and Jesus is unveiling his church as as we've seen and, and something different and new and exciting. And then it says, he gives them this charge. He says, then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. That doesn't make sense, does it? I'm beginning my church. Uh, you're Peter, and I'm going to build it upon you, the disciples, the work that's going to go on here. Um, I, I, w- I want you to get this, but don't tell anybody. Be quiet about it. 
There's a couple of things going on here that uh, maybe are hard for us to understand. First of all, uh, th- there's a bit of a mob scene going on. You, you know that Jesus has done his dis- uh, uh, he's he's done all these miracles, he's done healings, and and he's gone about these things. And there's already a bit of momentum. What's the greatest problem uh, in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels? You, you have religious leaders, Jews. But you also have the Roman government and how they're coming. And, and the idea here, the picture here, is they were looking for someone to save them. But not from their sins. They were looking for someone to save them politically. Politically. I don't want to make too many connections for us here this morning. But sometimes we care too much about what happens down here. And Jesus wasn't wanting to be a political leader. He was wanting to be, to take the place in their lives as the savior of their sins. To be the king. To take them to his kingdom. So I think that that's the primarily one, is that they were not to share this in such a way where they would get the confusion of that he would be some kind of political leader. And the second piece of this is that it wasn't his time yet. It wasn't his time. As you think about the New Testament, the four four Gospels, there's this sense of Jesus unveiling his plan according to his own watch. There's times and places where Peter and others wanted to shove him to the forefront. They wanted to protect him. The uh, people wanted to raise him up and make him a king. And all those were not part of the plan. His plan was to get to the cross that he might give himself for the sins of you and me. And so there's this temporary holding back of this uh, identification for all to see couple of things for us to remember this morning. Three things. First of all, there should be great encouragement this morning that Jesus will build his church. Jesus will build his church. There's nothing else that you're a part of. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there's nothing else that you're a part of that you know will succeed in the future. Nothing. You say, you know, I I got this profession. You know what? That profession may not exist five, six years from now. You say, couldn't happen. Oh, yes, it could. You know, I live in Bear Valley Springs. You know what? Bear Valley Springs could be nothing. A couple of El Nino storms. We can't even get to town. Right? (laughs) Everything else that we do pales in comparison to knowing this, that he will build his church. There's a confidence there that we will have uh, above, above everything else. Second thing I, I've already mentioned, and I want you to just remember it's his. It's his. It's his church. All the time and every, it's not just his building. It's not just his building, but it, it, it's his desires. It, it's what he wants. As you think of those Sunday school classes and those little ones in there, you say, well, this is his church. And so those are his kids. And so that's his time. And uh, this is his time as well. And this is his piano. And and Zach's his shirt. Like you think about all this. It's all his. It's all his. 
and for us to consider it that way. Hey, if it's your birthday, you get to choose the meal, right? You get to choose the meal and you get to say, you know, I want it this way and everyone's got to be. How many of you have gotten in trouble being too much full of yourself on your birthday? Right? You thought that you were great and everyone's like, don't go too far, okay? You're not the king or you're not the queen, okay? I want to tell you that at church here, as we consider what the Lord is doing, it's His. It's His. Third thing, as we consider... Um, and I just want to ask you a question. What is your life work? What is your life work? What is the thing that gets you up in the morning? What What is the thing that you want your life to be marked with as you come to the close of your life? From this point on, what what is your life work? The reason I ask that is because Jesus told you and me and his disciples what his life work was. It was the church. It was the church. He says, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. What you doing? What you doing? Why? Why are you doing that? Can I help? Can I help? Thankfully, our Heavenly Father, His Son, Holy Spirit, as they look upon us as fumbling people, they say, sure, come on, help. I'll allow you to participate in my work. That should be staggering to us. That that, that should throw us back and say, why? Don't you think I'm going to mess it up? And Jesus says, no, yeah, it's going to be okay. I'll make sure it comes out right. Jesus is building his church and he's allowed us to be a part of it. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning, the blessing of being in your word. God, I pray that the words of your son Jesus, when he promised that he would build his church, I pray that those would ring in our ears, that they would give us confidence to to go on, to continue on. I pray that they would give us new priorities, that we would love the building of your church as much as you do. God, do your work in us now. God, we ask that you would bless your offering uh, as we seek to give to you. Even in that, that knowing that this is part of you building your church. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. That's that the ushers would come and uh, receive the offering as we sing.